So, offer a few uh, more remarks about uh, about balance, meeting what comes with balance, and uh, I hope you're feeling it useful, <clears throat> finding it useful, feeling and finding it useful to look at the effect of uh, balancing energy in your practice and in any daily activities that uh, that you had to uh, take care of today. Um, and I thought uh, this afternoon, this afternoon in California anyway, I know it's quite a lot later for some of you, um, I thought I would introduce a couple other teachings that point to the Im- importance of uh, developing balance in practice. hope I don't overwhelm you with different lists, but... Uh, but I just, I really want to um, emphasize the, the balance aspect of all these lists. Uh, you don't need to remember all the details unless you already know all the details about them. The first, uh, the first I want to talk about is the five spiritual faculties, the indriya, as they're known in Pali, indriya, I-N-D-R-I-Y-A. Um, and some of you, I'm sure, probably many of you are really familiar with this list. Faith or confidence is the first. Energy or effort, that's virya. Mindfulness, right in the middle. Concentration or samadhi and wisdom. So they point to five qualities of mind that are really essential in our practice and that are important to keep in balance. Um Faith without wisdom, often we they, they balance on the ends. They kind of the, the first and fifth balance and the second and fourth balance. And then the one in the middle is like the fulcrum. It's the it's mindfulness. So faith without wisdom can lead to delusion or gullibility. And wisdom without faith, it can be dry, kind of uncaring or just skeptical, really skeptical. And energy without samadhi. Energy without samadhi, it leads to restlessness, you know, in the mind. Um, and uh, uh, samadhi without the balance of energy can lead to uh, what we call sinking mind. Sometime I was making this sort of sinking gesture with my hands to sleepiness, to dullness, to vagueness. And then, as I said, in right in the middle of this list is mindfulness. And uh, it's the fulcrum, and it's the one mental state that we often say you cannot have too much of it. It's not possible to have too much mindfulness. I've never experimented with that myself to see if it's true in my mind, but I trust that that's the case. It's inherently balancing mindfulness. Is it Mindfulness is a balanced state of mind one that sees clearly without falling into unwholesome desires or aversions that keeps us in that that middle way, not falling to one side or the other. And the more mindfulness there is in our minds, uh, the more clearly we're able to see what we might need to cultivate in order to come back into balance. So it's just a, you know, it's it needs to be there. <laughs> it's really... Uh, necessary. What did the Buddha say to Sona in that uh, sutta I read from the uh, earlier in the morning? 
We find a balance of the faculties and we learn the pattern of the situation. And then we tune our effort so that it matches what's needed so that we're more able to meet what comes, whatever that happens to be. So the five faculties with mindfulness in the middle. And then another teaching list where balance is uh, is important is in the seven factors of awakening, uh, the bojanga, seven uh, mental states that when really strongly present and well-balanced in the mind can provide uh, the conditions that make the mind ripe for deep insight and awakening. And uh, three of the seven are uh, called... Um, uh, Livening, um, energizing, uh, uplifting um, factors. The energizing factors are um, uh, energi- en- our energy or, or effort, virya, the same as in uh, the five faculties. Investigation, dhamma vichaya, which is really being uh, attentive, paying attention, wise attention to what's actually true, what's going on. Um, in actuality, <laughs> and rapture or uh, our joy, PT is the Pali word, P-I-T-I. And uh, so these three are the energizing factors. And then on the other side of the, um, of the fulcrum, you might say, um, are three calming factors. Tranquility, Pasadi is the, uh, is the, the Pali, tranquility or serenity sometimes is translated. Concentration, samadhi, which is also in the five faculties list. And um, equanimity, mupeka, which is kind of the crown jewel of, of mental states. And when our meditation practice is going really well and the mind is really absorbed, um, teachers will often suggest looking to see whether these energizing and calming factors are present, whether they're balanced, and whether there's strong mindfulness um, to uh, which keeps them balanced and uh, and allows them to uh, to uh, to be seen in their in their clarity. So mindfulness is the seventh of the seven factors of awakening. It's listed at the very beginning because it's necessary, but it also acts as that kind of balancing point. It's like, it's what allows us to see what needs to change. If anything needs to change, perhaps nothing does. So as with the spiritual faculties, if there's a lot more of the energetic than the tranquilizing factors, restlessness can result. And of course the opposite is true also. If tranquility is really strong, we can lose focus, we don't see as clearly, we might enter a a kind of a dreamy state that's really pleasant, but not so useful in in terms of being able to see clearly. In this list of uh, seven factors, um, it can be seen either in its aspect of balancing, as I just kind of described very briefly, or as a progression going from Mindfulness through energy, through dhamma investigation, through piti, uh, rapture or joy, through um, 
uh, serenity and concentration, and then to equanimity. So equanimity is the is the, like the culmination of uh, of this, uh, this this list. If you um, go through it as a progression, and and this last state, equanimity, that it is probably the most sublime form of balance that we know of in Buddhism, and. It's a beautiful balance of mind that is so peaceful that when it's really fully developed, it's it's uh, it's described as being very close to uh, awakening to liberation. So, talking about equanimity is really talking about balance directly. It's pointing right to it, and there are two words for equanimity in the in the Buddhist texts, representing kind of two different ways of being equanimous, of being really balanced. And the one we often hear about uh, the most, I think, is upekka, which um, points to a really unshakable evenness of mind. It's a sublime state. And it's one of the Brahma Viharas, you know, one of the heavenly abodes, the heart qualities. Etymologically, the word upekka is related to looking over something, having an overview. So um, similes uh, for that are are used in the suttas that really point to this this quality of being over, having an overview. Um, one of them is uh, a, a person on a watchtower, you know, seeing what's what's far below a watchtower on a castle or something, seeing what's below and really having the view of it. And another is that of a, a large bird, like an eagle, a soaring bird, a bird of prey, looking down and seeing, having a view of the whole countryside. So in these similes, there's an implication of some detachment, you know, a little bit of detachment. It's not cold. It's not indifferent. That's really not what it is. But there is a sense of some distance, a kind of a wide view not a close-up view with your face right in the, you know, up against what you're seeing. It's a balanced view, seeing things as they are, seeing things as they are. So that's one one version of equanimity in brief. And the, the other word for equanimity in Pali is tatra maja tata. I just, I love this word, tatra maja tata. And it's a compound word that means literally standing in the middle of all this, standing in the middle of all this. And often when we speak of these uh, these two ways of being equanimous, we think of upeka as a state that arises in deep meditation practice or in uh, Brahma-vihara practice, a, a boundless evenness of, of mind and heart. Um, in daily life, I think this form of uh, of equanimity, this upeka form of equanimity, is when it arises in us in daily life, when we're able to have it as we walk around and uh, meet our uh, responsibilities and our challenges. It's a sign that we're not taking ourselves too seriously, not really taking things personally, not attached to particular outcomes in our life, even-minded, you know, having a broad view. But I think of this tatra maja tata standing in the middle of all this as the the most common way that we practice equanimity in our in our daily lives. 
with all their ups and downs, all their surprises, both wonderful surprises like uh, a granddaughter's birthday, which just occurred in in my uh, life just a couple of weeks ago, um, or a new job that we're really excited about, or, you know, really distressing kinds of surprises like uh, illness or like some of the news that we read in the in the papers, or maybe most of the news today, recently that we read in the papers, or the death, uh, you know, of someone we love, death of a friend or a family member, just something else that I experienced lately. And this meaning, standing in the middle of this, standing in the middle. There, once again, it points to the middle way, you know, a point of balance, a point of steadiness, not being thrown to either side by the worldly winds. Sometimes our minds are, you know, so full of ideas and thoughts and emotions that it can seem like there's a storm inside. And this tatra tatra, this equanimity in the form of steadiness can really help us to stay in the middle. Of all that. So where Upeka allows us to see with a balanced view, Tatra Majatata allows us to stand steadily, balanced in the middle of things in our lives and in our practice. So the, the poem that I read this morning, which is it's also you know, it's in the handouts on the retreat page. Um, if you'd like to save it, it's there. You can download it. I think it points very much in the direction of this kind of equanimity, tatra-maja, tata, standing in the middle of all things. Each line um, places us uh, in the middle of what's going on. If there is cost, I choose to pay. When calm, I choose peace. So being in a balanced relationship to what's present in our lives, it begins with Accepting the current conditions are the current conditions. It's like that accepting in rain, a wrath that I mentioned earlier. Accepting that the current conditions are the current conditions. Right now, it's like this. And only when we're willing to be present to what's actually occurring in our lives can we be balanced in relationship to it. Doesn't mean we have to like it. We just accept that this is how it is right now. I can see uh, the time is, it's actually time for us to quit, but I'm going to (laughs) continue. I just have a few more minutes to say. So please stick with me. (laughs) I hope you will. I've tried to offer some, uh, you know, some, some tidbits that would be helpful to you in your, in your daily practice and in your daily lives as well today. And there was a variety of teachings, and I hope there wasn't too much variety. But all of them point to cultivating a similar balance of energy, a balance of mental qualities or attitudes in both the body and the mind. The balancing of effort, like a, a sonus lute, you know, not too tight, not too loose. The four wise efforts cultivating what's beneficial, letting go of what's not. And then wise effort in its kind of broader sense, gauging the quality of our effort, either backing off or engaging more if we need to, 
in order to make the effort balanced. Balancing the energy, energizing and calming uh, aspects of the five faculties or the awakening factors. And you can find that kind of balance in other lists as, as well, I'm sure. And um, cultivating equanimity, you know, kind of really directly going for balance, cultivating equanimity, which is this equal-minded seeing in Opeka, and then the steady balance in difficult times, Chatra-Majak-Tata. And each one of these teachings points to the, the importance of that, that quality of balance, just finding finding the sweet spot. So you don't have to remember all the details of the Dharma teachings, of course, that I referred to today. The principle, I think, is enough. We tune our attention to the situation and we adjust our effort so that it's in tune. And if the mind strays too far into straining, over-efforting, restlessness, we use the tools we've learned to make to bring more ease, more relaxation. And on the other hand, when the mind seems unfocused, they disengaged, we use tools that bring more interest, more energy, more curiosity. It's something we do from the very beginning of our practice to the very, very end. And having the clarity of mind to see what's needed, it's based on mindfulness. Mindfulness is always necessary in our practice. So I hope the day has been useful for you, um, both for your practice uh, on the cushion and off the cushion. And it's uh, you know, it's been really a pleasure to be with you today. Um, it's, I'm sorry, I couldn't get to, uh, you know, to speak with each one of you. It'd be nice if we were in person, but it's, online uh, retreats are, are such a blessing and if you need if uh, if you feel a need for a follow-up um you know imc offers both individual and group practice discussions um every week and uh i'm offering groups on friday mornings currently but maria stratman who's another imc teacher also offers groups and there are quite a few others who offer individual um, meetings and the links to these i think they're going to be uh, on the retreat, Ron is going to um, make sure that you can see them on the retreat website. They're also available, of course, on the IMC website. And once again, I'd really like to thank Verana for uh, for all the uh, effort that she put into making this day happen. Thank you so much. Um, thank you. Three jobs. <laughs> and I thank all of you, each of you, individually and all of you. Sincerely for uh, making up our Sangha today, for your practice and your attention and your dedication to, to the Dharma, to, to becoming free of greed, hatred, and delusion. And if you'll bear with me for one more minute, I'd really like us to share the merit of this day, which is something we traditionally do at the end of a, end of a period of practice. So may we share the goodness that's generated by our sincere investigation, our sincere practice with everyone we come in contact with. And may that spread to everyone they come in contact with. And outward in ever-widening 
circles so that all beings are touched by the goodness that we generated today, including us. May all beings everywhere, known and unknown to us, be safe and have peace in their lives. May they have the strength to meet what comes. May they have ease of mind. And may all beings everywhere find the peace that comes from freedom, the peace that comes from liberation. May it be so. Thank you.